that you want to speak this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Drew and Joey. Good morning. Thank you. Um, did I understand right that Jeremy is going to be the new children's ministry director? Then? <laughs> he would be awesome. There would be law and order in the children's department. So we're in a series uh, about King David, reading the stories of King David, and uh, in Second Samuel this Sunday. And uh, these, these portions of Scripture are actually my favorite reading in the entire Bible, to read through the stories of Samuel and Kings and, and Chronicles. There's just so much good stuff in there and lessons that we can learn. I think the, the key to reading these is uh, this Scripture here. Paul says, thousand years later. Now these things happened to them as an example. They were written for our instruction upon whom the ends of the ages have come. Everything is recorded there for our benefit now, in Paul's time, but now 2,000 years later, uh, upon whom the ends of the ends of the ages have come. That's us saying in these difficult times, we're going to uh, look to those stories and uh, gain insights and gain uh, inspiration. So we're going to look at, uh, look at one particular story of David this morning where uh, he made a mistake. Uh, before, I, before I get into that, I want to tell you uh, about a trip we made up to Walmart uh, recently. Uh, Marla and I were up there, and she had a shopping list, things she needed to get, and I only had a couple things, so I went and found my things, and I went to uh, check out, and there was these long lines at the checkout counter, so I went to the self-checkout, which I rarely do because it's too intimidating for me and it's too traumatizing to figure out how to make all that work, but to avoid the long lines, I went over there and I put my two items, I got them up on the screen, and then it said I should pay for them, so I looked for the, where to put my credit card, and fortunately they had this green flashing arrow right there on the machine pointing to a slot, so I put my card in there and it disappeared into the machine, and I waited for the screen to give me my next instructions, and nothing, nothing, and I waited, and nothing, and I tapped on the screen a little bit to get it to wake up, nothing, and I looked down at this little slot they directed me to, and it said, cash only. <laughs> uh, but it took my credit card. My credit card was in the machine now. So I actually thought, you know, maybe I'll just leave my things and go out to the car. <clears throat> then I thought, maybe I should try to get my credit card back. So I talked to the Walmart gal there and said, I, my credit card's in the machine, so where did you put it? I put it here, oh, we're going to have to get somebody else to help you. So she went away for a while and she came back with a guy who already looked disgusted and he said, where did you put the card? I just put it here, this green arrows. And uh, so he had a key and he opened the machine up so he could get inside and you could see the little track where your dollar bills would go if you put them in, and my card wasn't there. It had gone deeper into the machine. 
So then he had to start taking parts and pieces off the machine, following his track down, and he said, you know, if your credit card's in a cash box, you're out of luck, because I don't have that key. But he kept working uh, toward finding that. And, and the gal said, well, this has probably happened before. And he said, no. <laughs> so this has never happened before. Here, and I'm sure at any Walmart in the world, this has never happened before. So I felt like it was an honest mistake. Um, and it was a little bit their fault because of this green flashing arrow they put on there. But he clearly did not think it was an honest mistake. Um, so we're going to talk about mistakes, looking at David's mistakes. But I want to share a couple more examples with you. Um, some mistakes have uh, more serious consequences than others. Mine was just embarrassment, but it can be worse than that. And you probably have your own examples, but when we go to Anchorage, we stay at a mission guest house there. It's a, it's a big building, and you go in the main door, and it has four doors inside, four apartments, two three-bedroom apartments. Very nice, uh, good, good arrangement for us. Um, so we were staying there, and in the morning, I got up early and decided to, before Marla was up, and did a few things to get ready to leave that day. Then I decided to take some things um, out to the car, and I came back in, and I noticed that apparently she had gotten up and turned the living room lights off, because I left them on when I went out. And so I looked in the bathroom, she wasn't there. I looked in the bedroom, and the bedroom door was, I had, I had it closed, but now it was open, it was dark in there, and I looked, and it looked like she's still sleeping in there. So I went back out in the living room, and I did some things, and uh, I saw her cord, her cell phone charger cord, and I said, well, I better get that so we don't forget it. So I went over and picked up the cord, and then I saw her laptop laying on the sofa, charging. I didn't know she brought her laptop. She never brings her laptop to Anchorage. And I picked it up and looked at it, and it's not my laptop either. And I just pondered that for a minute. And I just got really lightheaded all of a sudden. I couldn't breathe hardly. <gasps> I'm in the wrong apartment. And I backed up out of there, and I closed the door. Then I thought, did I bring anything in when I went in there? Did I leave my cell phone? But I was so panicked by this, I couldn't think straight. Where's my phone? Is it in there? I better go in and check. No, 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 I can't go back in. So I just went down to our apartment and uh, told Marla about it later, what had happened that I'd been in this apartment up there. Uh, that, too, was an honest mistake. Yes? Say yes. Yes. If you're our age, it's a definitely an honest mistake, but with potentially disastrous consequences. If I had gone further into that bedroom and said, wake up, wake up, I would have a hard time explaining why in the early hours of the morning I'm in their bedroom and in their bathroom and wandering around their house and looking at their laptop. Uh, I don't know how that would have gone over. Uh, <clears throat> 
but I made it out of there okay. Uh, so, one more. Um, well, before I go there, I want to clarify that we're talking about, um, we're not talking about willful disobedience. We're not talking about sin. Sin actually has different protocols for dealing with than mistakes have. Later in the story of David, we're going to talk about sin, his big sin, and we'll look at the protocols for dealing with that. But um, <clears throat> with for me, going into that apartment was not a sin. I didn't have to repent. I didn't have to confess and repent that I went into the apartment. If I'd snuck in, it would have been different. But as it was, it was not a, a sin. But there are, there are protocols for mistakes, and we're going to be looking at that. One other, uh, while we're in the Philippines, we, one of our projects is run summer camps for blind children. And they'd come from all over the country into Manila. And sometimes the parents, when they come from the province, from the rural areas, they would stay at our house for a night while they brought their kids, and then they'd come pick them up again. Well, at one camp, there was one boy, a teenage blind boy, who had not been well during the camp. He had headaches. And so when they, when they came back to the, to the house, uh, she, his mom took him to a doctor just to have him check. And the doctor said, uh, the doctor recommended admitting him to the hospital, which was a huge thing for her, just very, very poor people from far in the provincial areas. And uh, he, he said he might have spinal meningitis. So when she came to the house, she asked my opinion. What did I think about um, admitting him to the hospital? And honestly, we had problems with these a few of these doctors in the past where anytime we'd bring something to them, they'd go all the way, the worst possible thing it could be, and they would say, well, probably spinal meningitis, and then they'd work their way back. Or if they had a cough, it's probably end-stage tuberculosis, and they'd work their way back. Or fatigued, leukemia might be, and then they'd work their way. So we knew that, so I told her that uh, if, it was, if it was our child, uh, we would probably bring him home and watch him closely for a couple days, see how he did. If he didn't improve or if it got worse, then we would take him in. So um, that's what she did. She took him home to the province, and uh, we heard about a week later that soon after they got home, he went downhill really quickly, and he died. So, that's on me. That's a pretty serious mistake on my part to give that kind of advice to her. And he, he didn't actually have spinal meningitis. Um, sometimes, and we're going to see with David, sometimes other people pay the price for our mistakes and serious prices that they have serious costs to other people because of our mistakes. So we have to work through, um, we have to work through that also. And that's what we're going to look at in this story of David. So David, in David's, what recorded history, he made several mistakes. He, he also sinned, he fell into sin, but he made some honest mistakes. 
and we're going to look at uh, one of those today and see what we could learn about how to um, deal with these mistakes. So let's just look at the story quickly. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him to Baal, Judah, to bring up from there the ark of God, which is called by the name, the very name of the Lord of hosts. So in the story, um, you, you remember last Sunday, Matt shared about all the years David went through, but now he's been anointed king over all Israel. And one of the first things he does priority for him is to bring the ark of God to Jerusalem. Remember they lost it in a battle with the Philistines. And it came back but it just kind of been stored somewhere for about 20 years under Saul's reign. But David says we're bringing the ark to Jerusalem. It's going to be front and center and his reign is going to be a reign of honoring the Lord and following the Lord. So that's what they did. They put together this whole big uh, procession and went to bring the ark back. And they placed the ark of God on a new cart that they had built that they might bring it from the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And as in Ohio, the sons of Abinadab were leading the cart, so it had been stored in this guy's house these years, and now his sons are assigned to uh, lead the cart to bring it back in. Meanwhile, David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord all kinds of instruments. So it was a big celebration. We're bringing the ark of God back to uh, Jerusalem, uh, David's capital city. But when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah reached out toward the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen nearly upset it. So the road, was a rough patch of road apparently, and a wheel fell on a hole or whatever, but the, the ark of God looked like it was going to tip over or slide off the cart. And of course, he reached out his hand to uh, stabilize it. And we read what happened. The anger of the Lord burned against Esa, and God struck him down there for his irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. And the whole thing just shuts down. This big celebration. Everybody is horrified by what has happened. This guy paid for his life and is struck down by God. And we read David's response. David became angry because of the Lord's outburst against Uzzah. The place is called Perizzah to this day. Bad news for Uzzah. So here's David just trying to do the right thing. 100% pure motive and intent to honor God in this. And, uh, and this is what happened. I can understand. I can understand his thinking on this. Is this how it's going to be? Is this how you're going to treat us when we're trying to honor you? And he's upset and he's angry and he's confused about this. And then his next response, so David was afraid of the Lord that day and said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. So he just stops and he walks away from the whole project. And if you read through the rest of it, um, this went on for several months. He just left the ark of God where it was and stored it in another house there. And uh, I know, I'm sure he struggled with this for months, trying to figure out what in the world happened and, and how could God let this happen. Well, he did figure it out. 
he did finally figure out what his mistake was. And it's, it's quite simple. When, when, when God gave the instructions to Moses to build the ark and to build the tabernacle, it came with detailed instructions on how this should be done. And uh, <clears throat> came for detailed instructions on how it was to be transported. And they would transport it for years. And it was a specific group of people that were designated to transport it. And it was not on a cart. They had rings built into the cart and they had long poles made where the guys that all put them on their shoulders and they would walk with the walk with the ark, carrying it on these uh, carrying it on their shoulders. David apparently was unaware of these instructions. Um, we'll just give him the benefit of the doubt that he was unaware of these instructions. But once he figured out, some months later, what had happened, what the problem was, he went about fixing that. So David called for Zadok and Abiathar, the priests, and for the Levites. He said, you guys, get yourselves ready that you may bring up the ark of the Lord God of Israel to the place I have prepared for it in Jerusalem. And he says this, because you did not carry it at the first, the Lord our God made an outburst on us. For we did not seek him according to the ordinance. We didn't, we didn't follow his instructions in this. So the sons of Levi carried the ark of God on their shoulders with the poles thereon as Moses had commanded according to the word of the Lord and they brought it into Jerusalem um, without incident in that. So David made this mistake. I call it an honest mistake on his part. But it was costly. Uzzah died and David can't undo that. He has to live with that. But he figured out the mistake. He corrected it. And then, he, and then he went on from there. So let's just point out a few things that we learned from the story. Uh, number one, to, to err is human, to forgive is divine, somebody said in the 1700s. And here, I was actually going to try to fit this in, but I can't fit it in. If you make a list of all the heroes of the faith in the Old Testament, the heroes of the faith in the New Testament, and then go back and examine each of their lives, almost every one of them made mistakes, honest mistakes. Many of them sinned also, but uh, almost all of them made honest mistakes. And you can go back. And the point is, we can learn from these mistakes. We can read them and, and learn from them. Even the most godly people in the Bible made mistakes. Uh, so it's the human condition. We can't escape that. We will all doing our best, we will make mistakes. And the other thing I want to make sure we understand is that a mistake uh, may not be a sin. I don't want to say it's never a sin, because I, we may be able to think of something where that would be the case, but certainly going into that apartment was not a sin that I needed to confess and repent of. So many, and if not most of our mistakes, are not sins, even though they might have serious consequences where somebody dies. Remember the case of Josiah, uh, the king of Israel who went out to fight Nico, the uh, king of Egypt, which was a mistake. It cost him his life. And uh, <clears throat> he, he paid for it with his own life. But in this case, David didn't pay uh, so much as his men paid. Okay, now I'm going to look at uh, David's, go back and look at again at David's response 
to the mistake. So this was a mistake. The anger of the Lord burned against Ezra, and God struck him down for this irreverence, and he died there by the ark of the Lord. And David became angry, angry at God for what had happened. And what I want to say is, anger, anger at God in a case like this is not uncommon. It's typical. I've heard people tell how angry they are at God for something that he's done. When anybody says that, that they're angry at God, it reveals something about their concept of who God is and what his role in our life is. They have a faulty concept of who he is, what his character is, and his role in our lives. But beyond that, anger, case of David, anger at God is placing the blame on God instead of ourselves. God is the one who's at fault here, and we pass that blame to him. But David responded that way, but he fixed it. So we go back and look. Because you did not carry it the first, Lord our God made an outburst on us. This is David speaking, for we did not seek him according to the instructions. God didn't make a mistake. He gave the instructions. It's all there. It's very clear. He didn't make a mistake. David made a mistake by not being informed about the instructions and not being um, aware of them. So that's a good lesson. This is something else I would like to go into, but it's a good lesson for us. So God has given us. The lesson for us today, in these end days, God has given us the instructions for life and ministry. Everything we need to know about life and ministry can be found in here. Don't read it. You'll make mistakes that you could have avoided. It's that simple. The instructions are here. The king was actually uh, required to read. He was actually required to write out in, in his own hand the Bible and then read it every day of his life. Um, David hadn't been king long enough to do that, I think. But that's the, that's the um, importance of that. Uh, so his first response is to blame God, which is his second mistake. Uh, and we need to um, we need to take ownership for our mistakes. You know, honestly speaking, when I went in that apartment and I went down to our apartment, um, I thought those guys they should have locked their door. They went to sleep at night without locking. It's their fault. They left their door unlocked. It wasn't their fault. I had to process that a little bit. No, no, that was my fault. They could have left their door wide open. It would have been my fault for going into the apartment. So, uh, take ownership for our mistakes. The second response that David had, he was afraid of, that Lord, of the Lord that day, and he said, how can the ark of the Lord come to me? And David was unwilling to go any further to move the ark of the Lord into the city of David with him. He just walked away from that project. And I've also seen that, and you probably have too, when things just blow up and things go wrong and it's a big mess, the tendency can be to just say, I'm done, find somebody else. Talking to the Lord, find somebody else to do this. Um, and, and I've seen people for years completely disengage from ministry because of something that happened, even a lifetime of disengaging from what the Lord had called them, uh, called them to do. Well, the Lord doesn't disqualify us 
from our calling because of mistakes we made in fulfilling our calling. He still has that calling on our lives. And here's something that I think about um, often. It is possible to evade a multitude of sorrows and mistakes by the cultivation of an insignificant life. That's the trade-off. If you want to avoid ever making mistakes, you can do that and result in an insignificant life because of your lack of involvement in ministry. And that's where David was headed. He disengaged, he walked away, but he realized that that was a mistake, and he went back up and picked the ark up again and to do, and do it right this time. So that's the other take home, is that we need to stay in the game. Don't let mistakes uh, derail you. So there's one other response, and this is actually, you don't see it in this portion of Scripture about David, but this is the one that, that I deal with uh, more than the other two. Uh, so if you're, in, if you're ever in a leadership position, you have a long list of mistakes that you have made, a playlist of mistakes. And you can lay, and that's what I do, I wake up in the middle of the night, I lay there and I let some of these videos play of my past mistakes. They, oh, goodness, can't believe I did that. And then they play against kind of a continuous loop. They just keep playing. And it just for after a while, it just um, weighs you down with regret and with shame sometimes that you, you actually did that. <clears throat> you, don't have to be, you don't have to be in leadership. You can do that raising your children or in your relationships or in your work or whatever. We'll all make mistakes, and uh, sometimes those mistakes come at nighttime to remind us of uh, how we really mess things up. There's a great portion of Scripture I'm going to share with you in Job chapter 4 about a nighttime visitor doing just this. So in, in Job chapter 4, Satan is, has, has made this vicious attack on Job and just destroyed everything he had. And now his friends have come, his three friends have come, and they're, um, they just don't say anything for a week. They're just trying to figure out what is going on here? What has happened? How can we counsel him? How can we advise him? And they're just real... They're having a hard time uh, reconciling what has happened. And so a visitor comes to one of them, Eliphaz is his name. A word was brought to me stealthily. My ear received a whisper of it amid disquieting or troubling thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Dread came upon me and trembling and made all my bones shake. This is what... Night, nighttime visitors do it magnifies your mistake and makes it even worse than it really was then a spirit passed by my face is laying in bed and a spirit comes into the room and the hair on my neck stood up and the spirit stood still and I could not discern exactly who or what it was this form before my eyes and it was silent but then I heard a voice and this being, whatever it was, says, can mankind ever, ever hope to be acceptable to God, to be accepted by God, and for God to show favor on him? Can a man ever be, can a man ever measure up to God's expectations for him? And 
And then he goes on to say, that's the question he poses. Remember in the Garden of Eden, he posed questions to Eve also. And here he poses questions to these guys, and then he answers the question. He, God, puts no trust even in his closest servants, those who wait on him. And against his angels, he finds fault with us angels, if you know who's talking. How much more you guys who are made out of clay, houses of clay whose foundation is the dust, and you're here today and gone tomorrow, how can you ever expect to measure up when we couldn't measure up to God's expectations? Between morning and evening or all day long, you guys are broken in pieces, unobserved. You perish forever. Your tent guard is plucked up within you. You die, never understanding what's going on. So who is this guy? Who is this person in his room bringing this, this message of doom and gloom? Well, we know who it is. This is the one who is even us angels he finds fault with. And, and Satan is the one kicked out. And now he's trying to prove through Job and this whole experience that God is unfair and that he's impossible to uh, ever please. And uh, <clears throat> just look at all the mistakes that we have made. Look at the damage that we've done. Um, so there's a great song by Matthew West. I actually asked Chris last week if maybe I could sing it for you. And, and he said that would be a big mistake. So, <laughs> so I brought you the lyrics. Hello, my name is Regret. I'm pretty sure we have met every single day of your life and the whisper inside that won't let you forget. So that's the voice that he's hearing, this voice of regret. And the, the message is you should not listen to that voice when you hear that. You should not listen to that. It's not the voice of the Lord. It's, um, it's someone else speaking and uh, it's not worthy for us to listen to. It's not at all how the Lord feels about us in our mistakes. He never brings that kind of shame on us. So I'm going, this is my reminder to Scott that we're going to bring the worship team up. Otherwise, I wouldn't think of it until we got to the end. So here's, here is the, um, here is the voice of the Lord, and we get it from David, who made all these mistakes. David is the one who gives us the voice of the Lord. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He will not always strive with us, and he's not going to hold grudges against us. He has not dealt with us according to our sins or our mistakes. He has not rewarded us according to our iniquities or our mistakes. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his loving kindness toward those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions and our mistakes from us. And this is the important part. Just as a father had compassion on his, has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. He knows our frame. He is mindful that we are about dust. He knows how prone we are to make mistakes. And he's okay with that. He knows our propensity to continue making mistakes, but he doesn't dwell on them like we do. Like Satan, Satan wants us to dwell on them. The Lord doesn't 
dwell on these things. He leaves them behind as he goes forward. And our mistakes don't damage our relationship with him. It says, like a father. So you fathers of young children, you know your children are not little adults. You don't have adult expectations out of your children. In fact, sometimes we think their mistakes are cute that they make. So I think the Lord said, guys, look at this. Randy just put his credit card in the cash lot. This is going to be good. He doesn't hold that against me. So here's the, here's the take-homes. Um, we all make mistakes. Um, we need to take ownership. Don't try to pass it to someone else. Don't blame God. Try to blame anybody else. Understand that it doesn't disqualify us for service with the Lord. No matter how serious a mistake, he still has a calling on your life he wants to fulfill. And don't entertain these messengers of doom and gloom and regret that come at nighttime when we're laying awake. So back to the apartment. Um, I waited that morning, delayed our departure a little bit until I knew the people were up and about in their apartment. I went up and I knocked on the door, bravest thing I ever did. And I said, um, I don't know if you heard anything this morning, anybody moving around in your apartment. If you did, it was me. If you didn't, it was still me. And I'm, I'm sorry, but I went in the wrong apartment. Should have locked your door. But <clears throat> um, I was in your apartment for a few minutes, and it was a complete mistake, and I just want to apologize for it. And uh, Marla witnessed this, and it was very, very awkward. And uh, you, what? Yes, I was in your apartment before you got out of bed. So that's actually all I can do to fix that mistake. You need to rectify what you can, fix what you can, and then move on. All I could do in this case was uh, give them my apology for being in their apartment and move on to the next mistake. And that's your last point. Um, they're going to come. Maybe before you leave this building, you'll be able to do one of those. And hopefully from David's story, we uh, learned some things about how to uh, deal with them. So uh, we, there'll be a prayer team over in this corner over here. If you'd like someone to pray with you, if you want to give, there's some somewhere here, some offering uh, receptacles. Communion is here for you to partake of, and we're going to worship together now. But first, let me just say a quick prayer for you. Lord, we thank you so much for your, your patience and your kindness with us and your understanding of our uh, how easily we make mistakes. Lord, I pray you protect us from mistakes as much as possible, but knowing what you have to work with, we realize we're going to make them, and thank you for your uh, understanding and your compassion in that. Uh, thank you so much for your love and your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, guys. Scott, great to hear you again. I'm so thankful that Jesus takes our mistakes. He takes our shame. He takes everything and he makes it new. He gives us life. And I'm just, I'm just you know, back there praying during worship, just so thankful that God just meets us right where we're at. It's just the best. 
we can come to him in the midst of everything we have and he wants to take it all. Randy, thank you so much for bringing the word. I so appreciate it. So thankful for everything you shared. Um, this morning, um, we um, have the junior high retreat. If you guys want to sign up for kids, I just want to say one more time. Um, I would do that right away because there are limited slots. Um, if you are here and you don't know where you're getting your food for this next week or even today, come talk to one of the staff. We would love to help you out. And we don't officially end until 1230. So stick around, hang out, help tear down, say hi to somebody. God bless you guys. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.